This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by Artbase. Are you managing an art collection or an artist studio or a gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, Artbase is the right software to manage your art business. Artbase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. Enter your data once, and you can use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and so much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to artbase.com today to learn more. And be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. Hope everyone's doing well and staying safe. The art world and the art market has been through a lot during this pandemic and with galleries and museums finally reopening, we really wanted to try to take a look back over the past several months and digest what's transpired. Given that, in this week's episode, we chat with Michael Klein, head of Sotheby's May Moses. Michael has been looking at the auction data to understand how the art market has performed during the pandemic, and he's combed through the data to identify several really interesting trends. So we hope you enjoy this fascinating conversation with Michael. And also, we want to take a minute to just thank our listeners for tuning in and supporting us over the past several months during the pandemic. It's been a lot of fun seeing our listenership grow and also hear from so many of you. And if you do have a moment, it would be great if you could leave us a rating and write a review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. Thanks so much again for downloading and listening. Michael, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Adam, for having me. Of course. So we've really come full circle on the podcast. As I remember beginning maybe in 2009 or 2010, we had Professor Michael Moses on the podcast. He was a regular guest. He'd come on once or twice a year. He was a professor at NYU, and he co-founded the May Moses Index, which tracked the performance of the art market. And we'd have him come on after auctions to assess where the market is and how it performed. And years later, Sotheby's acquired the May Moses Index. And so we're excited to have you on to talk to us about the May Moses Index. I'm sure some of our listeners don't remember when Michael Moses was on. So it'd be great if you could just explain briefly what the May Moses Index is, how did Sotheby's get involved and acquire it, and how exactly does the index work? Yeah, so all great questions. So Sotheby's Day Moses is a family of uh, art price indices and data that tracks the art market all the way back to 1755. Um, it was developed about two decades ago by the aforementioned uh, professors May and Moses at NYU. And then Sotheby's acquired it in 2016, particularly as uh, Sotheby's is interested in expanding its data capabilities. Um, and so. Uh, so that's just a little bit about the history of, of May Moses. So what actually is it and what makes it special? So the May Moses indices leverage the Case-Shiller methodology, which is used for residential real estate, which is they're tracking the art market using repeat auction sales of the same item selling at least twice in a public setting. So 
what makes this so what makes this methodology so special is that um, as as many people know, it's just very difficult to understand really what's going on in the art market, especially since every single work of art is just so incredibly unique that you can have two paintings by the same artist from the same year of the same subject. And the fact that the colors might be a little bit different can drive a very wide price margin. Um, so what May Moses does is they track the art market using uh, all these repeat auction sales. So as the work stays the same, but the prices change, you're able to run a regression to see how do the different time periods compare to each other when the works are all the same. So the, and so the way that, that Professors May and Moses built this is we're looking at the largest global auction houses, uh, primarily Sotheby's, Christie's, and Phillips, and we are tracking, we've got over uh, 80,000 repeat auction sales and growing. Um, so while that might seem like, an, like a small amount of data when you're thinking about big data with millions of observations, um, these are really pointed observations and tell us a lot about the market. I always felt it was a really unique and interesting way to look at the art market, and it was so much more complex and arguably important than just looking at total auction sales year over year or even looking at an artist's market year over year. And that really leads me into my next question, which is what has been going on in the art market during the pandemic? Of course, if we look at the total auction sales, they're down significantly, which we would expect. But the May Moses Index indicates the art market is actually up this year. Is that right? Yeah. So, it, yeah, as you said, it might feel kind of strange to think that the art market's up even though sales are down. So how can that possibly be? So when we think about how do we track the art market from an overall perspective, um, you know, sort of big headline status, you're just looking at aggregate sales. So as my article is pointing out, if you're looking at the seven first seven months of the year compared to the, the, the same period in the prior year, uh, there was a 43% decrease in just the number of dollars actually spent at auction. Um, there was also a 24% decrease in the number of works offered, and that would lead to the average price also falling. So from those numbers, you'd think that that's all pointing down. But what you have to take into account is that there's, that there's always a different mix of art coming to market, and there's other variables that can explain that. So one of the big things that changed this year was that even though there were fewer works coming to market, it wasn't a uniform decrease. And so there was a 23% decrease in works that were coming to market that were under $100,000, but then the decrease for works that were over $100,000 was much greater. So what you're seeing in auction is just there, were, there, were, there was a smaller percentage of high value works offered. Now, cutting through all of that with the Maymosis Index, when you're actually looking for at like-for-like -like works, um, how does that compare? What we actually found is that prices were slightly ahead. Um, so the overall art market was up 1.6%. Contemporary art was up 5.5%. Um, and then with other categories, uh, you had a slight increase with impressionist modern, Latin American, traditional Chinese works of art. And then other, some categories like old masters and uh, modern British were pretty much even. Um, on top of that, another thing that we're able to do with Sotheby's and Moses is we're able to break things down based off of price band. So while we're used to thinking about the price bands of, you know, $10,000, $100,000 today, 
um, you know, spending $10,000 on a work of art today versus 60 years ago would put you in a very, very different bracket. So what we do is we look at percentiles. So the top 5% of the, of, of our data, which roughly correlates to a price band of about $1.6 million today, um, those works were up uh, 12.5%, which basically meaning that they would have been worth 12.5% more this year versus last year. And then the bottom 25%, which equates to roughly about $15,000 in today's value, was up uh, about 7.5%. And then the sort of that, that middle market in there was, uh, was down slightly to about 2%. So what you're seeing when you're comparing like for like is that, even, is the, is that prices were up, volume was down, and the fact that you had a change in the mix makes, the, makes that decrease seem a lot more pronounced. But what you're actually finding is that there really has not actually been a COVID discount. And it's sort of been across the board that there hasn't been a COVID discount, which is, I think, really interesting. Absolutely. And that's why I really wanted to have you on and talk about this, because what you're revealing is in the data is quite different than what one would expect to see if the only relied on the headlines and the papers. In your article, one of the headlines is that supply of art is down more than demand. So what exactly do you mean by that, and how has that played into how the market has behaved during this period? When you think about supply and demand, you often want to break that down into short-term and long-term. And what are the different factors affecting both of them, and how does that play in? So when we look at the supply side, um, obviously short-term supply of art is down, as we've seen a 24% decrease in works offered. But Long term, there really is no change in supply. Um, there's no perception of a, of a change in supply that it's not like there's been any sort of a shock to the system. Um, and so I think that's really important to keep in mind. Um, obviously, with all of this, the uncertainty that has come with the current global climate, with uh, the pandemic, with the lockdowns, um, a lot of people who didn't want to sell in, in uncertain climates just didn't in the beginning of the year. And the people that took risks, frankly, were, were rewarded that the market proved to be quite robust and that prices were able to help up, uh, hold up. Now, what was interesting also on the supply side was that the number of sales at the, the large auction houses were was the same, but there were fewer lots offered. And I think the, and the way to think about that is that, that the auction houses pivoted. One, was moving more sales online that were traditionally live. But then two, was having more smaller sales and that would be more thematically organized. Um, so it's sort of just a different way of, of, of breaking down the supply and thinking about it. One more thing on the uh, supply side is, is uh, art lending. That if you, especially when you compare the market to the financial crisis uh, 12 years ago, um, the fact that the art lending space has become so much more robust and active, I think, played a factor that a lot of people that were looking for short-term liquidity were much, had a much easier time being able to get a loan against the art rather than having to sell it at a discount. And I think that certainly was one reason that helped, uh, that sort of managed the supply, that there were fewer works coming to market um, but, and then prices were able to stay up. On the demand side, um, one of the big changes I think was the move to online. And even though it, it's a, it, 
it's it's it has been a short term thing. I actually think it's more of a long term change that uh, that many of the auction houses, Sotheby's in particular, had been looking to move things online, and that the COVID situation really just expedited all of that. And so the fact that you are moving sales online and you're using this new format, um, that's really been able to engage with a lot of people to actually bring up demand. Um, and not only that, but at Sotheby's from the data that I'm able to look at, we've actually seen an increase in the number of buyers that more people have been able to bid on fewer lots. And so that certainly has been a factor in keeping the market strong that I think people like buying online. There's a certain ease and transparency to it um, that I think is here to stay. Uh, another factor on the demand side, I think is, that I think is pretty interesting is this whole notion as coined by uh, art advisor, Doug Woodham, is the COVID boredom induced buying. It's the whole concept that people are sitting at home looking at the same walls day in and day out missing going to art events and at the same time maybe getting a little bored of looking at the same thing each day and wanting to change it up. And so uh, it's hard to sort of quantify how much that is, but I'm pretty sure, at least in my anecdotal conversations, that that's certainly been a driver. Um, another piece has been with on the short-term demand side has been the influx of opportunity buyers, that there have been a number of people who have looked back at the data saying, well, during the financial crisis, prices were down in the 20 to 30% ballpark. So should we be expecting the same thing? Can we buy art at a discount, especially as the long-term supply hasn't changed? And so that just brought a lot more attention in of, of new buyers. Um, and I think some of them have certainly been a little disappointed that the discounts ha that haven't really been there. Um, uh, on the flip side, though, with, with the short term, even though these things will push up, there certainly have been buyers that have not wanted to participate at the market, whether it's because of, you know, the current, their current financial situation or it's because they just don't like buying online. Um, but by and large, I think that the market's really had held up and the fact that Sotheby's has actually seen more buyers on fewer works has really proved that, that those factors have been laying out. You touched on a lot of things that were all really insightful regarding the opportunistic buying. From my experiences as an art advisor, there was some opportunistic buying. I felt it was predominantly happening privately, so it may not have been visible to everyone because this was occurring really for about a month to a month and a half from let's say, early March to mid-April when galleries weren't having exhibitions and auction houses were delayed with their auctions due to either logistical reasons or just fear from consigners about selling in this environment. So there was a lot of illiquidity in the market. And even though it wasn't a long period of time, it was scary. There was that feeling of, oh no, all these assets are overpriced. There's no bottom to this. So we can look back and say, oh, I should have bought during that time. But it's hard to do it actually during that time and that mentality of anxiety and uncertainty, it's largely over now. It actually tied, I thought, very closely to the performance of the stock market and really once the stock market rebounded, so did the art market. I think the idea of opportunistic buying, it was such a short window, but I think it's interesting to reflect on it and analyze it and try to take some of those experiences and feelings with you for the future so you can take advantage maybe the next time we enter a cycle like that. And you also touched on the trend of online and thematic sales at auction houses. 
it seems the investments that the auction houses have made in their e-commerce e-commerce platforms really over the past several years really paid off during this pandemic because the houses were really malleable and they could really easily shift in only a short period of time to having these smaller online curated sales. And speaking of these online sales, there's been a talking point that these online sales and the expansion of artworks and objects they're selling in these sales to maybe target more millennial buyers has resulted in a stronger presence of these millennials in the art market now. You have access to Sotheby's internal data regarding who's bidding, how often they're bidding. What can you share with us about the truth behind the new millennial buyer and maybe any other interesting trends you're seeing in this climate? Yeah, definitely. All great questions. So what I'll start off by saying is that the auction houses have this real reputation staked on the multi-million dollar headline loss that um, to the, you know, for people that are, you know, sort of passively following the art market when you're seeing, you know, works coming up at, you know, $80 million for a Botticelli, you're seeing headlines like $85 million for Francis Bacon, you know, that sort of doesn't really resonate for many people that, that they can afford those kinds of works. And the truth really is that the bulk of works that are auctioned by the major auction houses are at much, much lower price points and that things are much more accessible than people might actually think. And what's interesting is when you look at the data for um, online auctions, uh, last year at the three auction houses, the, uh, at least over the first seven months of the year, the uh, the average price of a work sold online was about $8,700, um, which is a lot cheaper than many people would have thought. Um, during this period this year, that number's gone up to uh, about 19 and a half, but that's been more of a factor of many high, higher value lots that have been shifted to being sold online that were pr- previously in person. And so the fact that you've got so many works that are at a much, much more accessible price point and that people are being able to discover that I think is invited more uh, millennial collectors in. Um, from our data, what we've seen is that there's been a real shift in the, just in the age of the bidders that have been coming in, that uh, the buyers in their uh, 20s and 30s, pretty much the millennial group is actually up 22 and a half percent during this time. Uh, and so I think a big reason for that, and I think part of it has to do with some of the marketing of the sales, is that the way that these online sales have been constructed, many of them are much more thematically organized with much more accessible price points. That there are works that are being sold without reserve that have an opening bid of $50, um, and that there are different ways of thinking about it. So rather than having the traditional collecting categories of, you know, this is contemporary, this is modern, this is old masters, um, we're starting to think a little bit more thematically so that we can have a sale like a hip hop sale where you now have a topic and a theme that gets people excited and the sale will have works from several different departments that we offer, but it's because it's organized around a theme that more millennials can relate to um, that we've seen a lot of success with people coming in through uh, that way. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And it'll be interesting to see if the auction houses continue with the increased number of online as well as curated auctions in the future. 
Michael, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was really interesting to hear what the May Moses Index is revealing about the market during this pandemic. And if our listeners want to read your article and any other content you publish about the May Moses Index, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so you can go to Sotheby's.com slash SMM, or you can email me at michael.klein at Sotheby's.com. Perfect. Thanks so much again, Michael. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. Thanks so much to Artbase for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. Are you managing an art collection, an artist studio, or gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, Artbase is the right software to manage your art business. Artbase lets you track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. Enter your data just once and use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to artbase.com, that's A-R-T-B-A-S-E.com to learn more, and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount.